Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, this morning, I am just so, so pleased uh, to be able to welcome uh, a really good friend and guest with us this morning, Pastor Wilbur Sagombe Wabwiri. I said that right, yes, which was why we just call him Pastor Wilbur, because it just gets really hard. Pastor Wilbur is pastor of True Vine Team Ministries in Tororo, Uganda, and many from our church have partnered with Hope for Kids International. Many of you have, um, have adopted and sponsored kids through Hope for Kids International, and they work th- through True Vine Ministries, uh, not only in Uganda, but now Kenya, Tanzania, and, and on and on and on. And um, they have a great, great ministry going there. And uh, we have about six people right now who are planning this November to make that trip together. And so that's what the the whole uh, fundraiser is all about, to help raise those funds to be able to do that. Um, I met Pastor Wilbur for the first time about almost five years ago. And uh, he's an incredible, incredible man. Um, Just a vision from God and just going for it. And uh, I'm just so, so pleased and and happy to introduce him to you uh, since he happens to be in the States for the next couple of weeks. And uh, I would just say, would you please just give him a really, really warm Northgate welcome as he comes. Pastor Wilbur. Thank you. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. It is an honor, again, to some of you who are here for the second time this morning, and a pleasure to be given this opportunity to share the Word of God and also share about Trovine Team Ministries. As you heard, I'm Sgombe Wiliba Wawire. Many Americans call it Wawawa. But it is all good. I'm Wawire. I am the leader of True Vine Team Ministries, which is an indigenous organization doing many things. But also, I am a husband of one wife. In Africa, there are those with more than one wife. I am a father of seven biological children and seven adopted children. I have a small preschool in my house. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, like it is now time for holidays, all of them, they come back, and uh, sometimes when I go home, when my brain is not so good, I always run to my bedroom, and I only have time with my wife. So I don't always have time for them, because there are so many, 14 of them, everybody wants my attention. I love them so much, and I believe God called me for that. It may not be very simple for you, but it is very simple for me. Uh, this morning, I will begin by sharing a word of God. We are going to share in the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We read of a, a story of a, a crippled beggar who was ever at the beautiful gate. Uh, because of time, I always just go through it. And I believe you have Bibles and you have opened there. The Bible tells us that one day, one morning, when Peter and John were going to the church, there is a day when they found this beggar there, and this beggar was ever there, and this beggar began begging. The Bible says at that time when Peter and John looked into their pockets, the Bible says they had nothing. 
They had no silver. They had no gold. And though they had nothing, they told this man that look at us. The man looked at them and he, he thought they are getting ready to give him more than he had expected. But they told him, silver and gold, we have none. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus. Wake up, rise up, and walk. The Bible says, immediately the man stood on his feet and began walking. The Bible says he followed them and began jumping. A man who has been down for many years, he began jumping. He began raising up his hands. And this amazed everybody. And he was everybody who saw him, who knew him, was very surprised. He said, is this the man we have been seeing lying down near the beautiful gate? Everybody wanted to question it, but this gave Peter an opportunity. He said, it's time now to preach. He told them, please, friends, this, is, this man is walking. But the same Jesus, whom you crucified, whom you rejected, who you killed, and God honored him and raised him from the dead, is the one in his name this man is walking. This morning, I felt there are many things, there are many situations in our lives. This story can help me, can help you. There are many things in our lives whereby we may reach a time when we are, we, we can do nothing. I remember a time in my life before I knew Jesus Christ, I had problems in my life. I had problems in my family. I had problems in my village. I had problems with my parents. Even I reached a time when I had problems with my godly fathers or preachers or pastors. And I felt I had nothing to do. I believed the only thing I could do was to take up alcohol. I became alcoholic and any, anything I could say was I'm ready to die. But when I received Jesus, and I, I had that faith in Jesus, I changed my confession. I no longer say, I'm ready to die. I, also, I always say, I'm ready to live for the Lord. I'm no longer ready to die. Many times in our lives, we have situations which have been there. Praise God that you are in this second service. I may say some words which I never said in the other one. Uh, the Bible is talking about the gate to the church. That every time they were going, this man was there. I believe everybody you know that we are the temple of God. And inside us, sometimes in our heart, as we think about our lives, there is a problem you th which comes at your gate. You find it every day. You are thinking about going somewhere, but that problem is at the gate. You find it every day, it's begging you. Unfortunately, some of the problems beg us not to go ahead. They may beg you not to go to Africa. They tell you you are too sick to go to Africa. There is a problem which is saying, no, the only person who can work on your sickness is the doctor in America. And if you go to Africa, the problem is saying you will die there. 
This man was at the gate. And sometimes when problems are in our lives, they are in our bodies, they are in our families, we reach a moment when we have reached our limits. We can do nothing. Can I say, brothers, at the time when you have reached your limit is where God begins from. Peter and John, they touched their pockets. It looks these preachers, they were very good at giving gold and silver. But that time, they reached around and said, please, silver and gold, we have none. I don't know what we don't have. But I believe there are times when we don't have. I came to a situation where I heard about the economy of America. And one friend of mine said, please, don't go to America because the economy is bad. I said, what are you saying? Why do you talk about the economy when I'm going to visit my brothers in the Lord? Friends, you can change your economy by faith. I promise you when you trust in God, things change in your life. Things change in your family. Things change in your body. What you need is to raise up your faith. One time I had a friend of mine. I had about three blind people in my church. Blind, totally blind, being led by a stick. And they were ever there. I had nothing to do. I read the Bible. There's a, 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 a sermon I always preach that we are non-believing believers. I don't know whether you have ever been there. You're a believer who does not believe. How, I believe we all read the Bible. But you reach a, a certain portion of scripture and you say, mm, that one, I don't believe. That one is not part of me. You are a non-believing believer. You, be, you think you believe when you don't believe. So I said, the Bible says, and Jesus told them, go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, open the blind eyes. But these blind people are here. Now they are coming in my church, three of them. I said, God, what can I do? When, I, I know in a, when I'm in Uganda, I preach while moving. So I try to move this side so that I don't move near them. And I, they may think, okay, this pastor is just passing us. So one time I was passing one of them, and I decided to touch his eyes. It was March last this year. I was about preparing to go to Israel. I touched the eyes. I said, receive your sight. The man went away home. I also traveled to Israel. I came back. The man, his eyes are open. He can ride a bicycle. He walks without a leading of a stick. Yeah. There are situations not until you will step out of your limit. You will never see them go. Faith is a risk. You must step out of a boat and say, now I'm going to walk in the air. If you are not ready to lose it, you will not gain it. The moment you continue sparing it, is the more it's going. Please, lose it, you are going to gain it. Jesus called you to save you. Jesus called you to work on your problems, to work on your limits. He never called you to come and babysit your problem. 
my problem, my sickness. You know, my sickness does not allow me to eat this. My sickness does not allow me to fly. You are babysitting a problem, a Christian. It has become yours. It's eating you up. It's killing you. Jesus called you, say, come. I want to save you from this problem. He knew. Brothers, let us raise up our faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing impossible with God. We can do all. We can make a change. You can make a change in your family. But before you begin with your family, you can make a change in your own body. There are situations in your own body which cannot allow you to serve another person. There are situations in your home you can make a change. There are situations in your community. There are needs in this church. Friends, if this church does not need, meet its needs, it will never be able to meet our needs. And there is nobody who is nobody. God has called you in this place to meet the needs of this place. Pastor puts all your trust in you people. I only tell people in Africa, in my church, that you are my resources, you are my bank. I have nowhere I can run to. And that's why I have come. Brothers, you are my bank. You are my supporter. You can change this church. You can change America. You can change the whole world. God has called you, and I want you to know that it is just you who can decide. Change your thinking, and everything will change. Just believe what the Bible says. The Bible says in the book of James, before I finish and pastor comes back, that faith without action is dead. Believing without doing you are like you are not believing. If you receive the word and you don't do it, then you are, not do, you are not believing. So the Bible says, can that faith save you? If you don't take a step and act upon it, can it give you peace? Can, you, can it give you healing? The Bible says no. So brothers and sisters, God has chosen us. We are special people. You are too special. Maybe you have never thought about that. Today, I want to encourage you. You can change your life. You can make it. You can make a difference. In this world, you are very important. You are unique. You are special. You are alone. May the Almighty God bless you as you change your life from one level to another. Immediately you reach your limit, God begins from there. Wherever you think things are hard, it's, it's beginning to be simple. Just trust in the Lord and things will be simple and they will work out. We, may be, we shall be praying together after the pastor. He's going to come and uh, he has some questions he wants to ask me. And after him, we shall be praying together. I believe one thing. God may touch you, change you, transform you, and use you for the glory of his name in this world. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I said in first service, he can say in like 10 minutes what it takes me a half hour to say, you know, and he does it so much better. But um, I asked him to not just share from God's word, but to share a little bit about True Vine ministry. So we're going to pull the seats up. And uh, when he talks about, when Pastor Wilbur talks about coming to the end of yourself and finding that, that that's where God starts, that's where God takes over, he's not talking theory. Um, you need to know what God has been doing um, through Pastor Wilbur, through True Vine Ministries. So I thought it would be really good to take some time and t- let you get to know a little bit more about him and about uh, the ministry there. First of all, when did you start True Vine Ministries? I began, the idea came in me, God spoke to me in 1998, and I began True Vine in 1999. Uh, Pastor wanted to know, and I believe everybody will want to know how I began. Yes. I began in my small sitting room alone. The first Sunday, I felt like there is something God, I need to know what God has for me in store. I, I remained at home, and I sent my family to my church where I was coming from because those Christians, they were not under my guidance. God had put them under pastor. So I told my wife and my children, please go to your pastor. I remained alone in the sitting room. I cleaned it up. I, I put right my chairs and I began the service. I was the worship leader. I was the usher. I was the preacher. I preached my sermon. I don't remember, don't say, Pastor, which sermon did you preach? But I preached my sermon to the top of my voice. Sometimes when I don't have this microphone, I can speak and somebody outside will listen. So I spoke (laughs) as if I'm talking to thousands and thousands of people. That scared everybody. And everybody was saying, what? It looks he's running crazy. It looks he has a problem on his head. Because I did that the first Sunday. I did the same the second Sunday. I did the same the third Sunday and the fourth Sunday. Until the neighbors say, told the kids around me that don't go near him. It looks he's running crazy. <laughs> and in my heart, after I have gone through all this, I said I was not running crazy. I was just seated. It's one, now when I begin to walk, I believe I will be running crazy. But for, now, for that time, I was seated. Now I'm walking. I believe to run. Yeah. So I, when we were talking about starting, because I told them when we started Northgate, you know, that we had 12 people. And he said, well, you had 12 more than I did. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, for the first four Sundays, he preached to empty chairs, but he preached like he was preaching to thousands. And, um, and now how many are attending on a Sunday morning at, at Tororo Yeah, Church? at Tororo headquarter, we have 1,020 together with our kids. But still, I'm the leader of True Vine, the director, but also the senior pastor, the overseer of 70 daughter churches. Yeah. And when I reach on the daughter churches, I always extend my appreciation. I'm here to say thank you so much for your support because this church is supporting one of our daughter churches at Bukaya, uh, True Vine Team Ministries. And thank you so much. You, you are doing a great job. Thank you so much for your contribution. We say, may God bless you. For, for those of you who don't know, um, the first time I came back from, um, from visiting uh, True Vine Ministries in Uganda, in Tororo, um, and then they were just starting this um, Sponsor a Village program. 
And I believe at that time it was $26,000 that um, built a, a church building, um, dug a well, well, drilled a well, uh, so there would be fresh water, um, sanitary toilet facilities, um, a home for the pastor, mm-hmm. and then some land. An, to, to an outreach s- clinic? And an outreach clinic, that's right, um, a medical clinic, mm-hmm. um, which they can't call a clinic because if they call it a clinic, the government says you have to have certain requirements, so it's mm-hmm. just an outreach. Mm-hmm. It's a medical outreach. Mm-hmm. It's a clinic. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it was just it, within a couple of months, um, the giving of these people have uh, came together and supported that. And so now we, uh, we are partners with uh, True Vine Ministries, Tororo, but also True Vine Ministries, Bukaya. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're very, very excited about it. And the last two times I've been able to go back and actually uh, um, got a chance to preach there. And uh, also we did an outdoor crusade. Mm-hmm. And I stood up on this little tiny stage that I wasn't sure was going to hold me up, but they had been dancing on it, leading worship on it. So I figured it can hold them, it can hold me. So, mm-hmm. um, so tell a little bit about each of those um, daughter churches, what that, how does that go about, and what does it take um, to keep that ongoing? Uh, True Vine, I have tried to come up with an administrative structure uh, whereby I am the leader on top, I'm a team leader, and below me I have four uh, region overseers. We have divided True Vine in regions. Then from the region overseers, some of them are also responsible with the work in other countries because we are in Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Burundi. So the region overseer, they take care of some indigenous churches and also other nation, uh, churches in other nations. And we also have the district leaders who are, uh, who are answerable to the regional leaders. Then we have the church leaders, the pastor and his committee of about seven people. So they take care of the local church. That's how we, we go about with managing the work and the everything. But that's uh, on the side of, of church or spiritual work. But we also have projects. We, in the projects, I'm the executive director. I'm sorry I have many things to do. Uh, <laughs> but when things are beginning, I have been telling everybody, almost you do everything. But as time goes on, you train and trust other people. And this is what, why I can come here and finish a whole month. Because I'm getting many people to help me now. Uh, we have projects. We have the medical clinic. It is a, the, the, at the headquarters, we have a hospital of 66 beds. We have orphan program where we sponsor 1,000 kids. And also, I came to know that uh, you were the, one of the first churches to sponsor children in True Vine. The first 50 kids who were sponsored on one service they, they were sponsored through your church, and I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for sponsoring and taking care of African children. I believe what you are doing is giving Africa a future because education makes, makes a, a deeper difference than anything else. If you were to give us just food, we eat, and the end of everything is the toilet. But education <laughs> is for tomorrow. Uh, apart from just sponsoring children, many of you have sponsored these children in boarding. And we have begun a school, a primary school, which is, which is a boarding school. And most of these children are in boarding, those whom you have sponsored in boarding. 
And this school, we are not just building a school because there are no schools in Uganda. There are many schools in Uganda, but these schools lack facilities. They lack teachers. They lack everything. I was telling the first service, we, are, we have extended our, our services to one of the islands in Lake Victoria. In Lake Victoria, we have five, six villages. Each village has a church, and all the, the, the water they drink is from the lake. The water they use for washing is from the lake. The water they bathe is from the lake. And sometimes they don't carry it from the lake and go and bathe. They wash from there, they bathe from there, and they pick the same water to go and use for cooking. Unfortunately, this is the worst of all. They don't have toilets. So all what they eat go back to the same lake. And some of them, they do it in the same lake. You have to look at, on the last trip of November, those who went to the mission, to the island, they, they saw it by their eyes when one lady was kicking out some of these dirty things to pick water to go and cook. So we have said, if Jesus, everywhere he went, he healed the sick. He took care of every problem. Which kind of Jesus do we have? If we can see this and we just keep quiet. Peter and John, they didn't keep quiet. They said, even if we don't have money, we shall find a way what, how to help. And I said, even if I don't have money, I will travel to my brothers, to the states and share with them. I may not have enough, but I say, brother, each contribution you make, it makes a difference in Africa. Mm-hmm. Whatever contribution you have, you can't have too much, but the little you have is enough mm-hmm. to make a difference. So we have that work which is going on in that place, we are looking at how to supply uh, safe water to the whole island. It's big. It will take us years. But what to do? Can we leave them to die? There is a school there. We found out that the school had only one teacher. Seven grades, one teacher, children are there. He's the headmaster. He's everything. Those are some of the problems we have in Africa. So in addition to... Uh, the orphan program, and the medical, and the, medical and the, um, the educational. Yes. There's also the vocational side of things, uh-huh. too. We also do uh, vocational school. We train our pastors. Most of the people in Africa, most of the pastors in Africa, some of them, they are semi-literate. Some of them, they are really literate. But they have the passion to, to reach out and win souls. So True Vine has a burden to, uh, to train them to have knowledge. They have the passion, but they lack knowledge. He witnessed one of our graduation of 120 uh, pastors when they were graduating. Already we have registered 200 who are to be graduating next year in 2011. And we train them. We do many things in spiritual things. We also do outreaches. All these things are... Sometimes they need you. You are the only person missing in it. Mm-hmm. I believe if you are there, we shall do more than we are doing. So that's a commercial for those of you. Who are. <laughs> um, and, and so they're training pastors um, because there's no, they don't have that formal training. Mm. So um, not only are they planting churches and, and helping villages, but also training pastors to be able to, to, um, to pastor in that village. And many of them, I know in Bukaya, 
it's his home, his, uh, Pastor Godfrey's home village. Mm-hmm. And he felt the call on God to go back to his own village and to, to reach them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he was one of the graduates this last November, which was very exciting. So he is there now. And then in addition to that, why don't you speak to... Um, some of the job training as well for the women and uh-huh. um, some of those we, other... We, we, we have what we call life skill programs whereby we train even our orphans who, who drop out of school. We feel they should have something which they can do after they have come out of school. We train them in agricultural programs. We train them in carpentry, brick making, whatever we feel like I'd say... True vine doesn't have just only one way of doing things, but we wait upon the Lord. Whatever God puts on our heart, we do it. We just want to extend the love of God to everybody. I was sharing about the life of a woman in Africa. Ladies of America, thank God that you are in America and you were born here. (laughs) And because you are here, please support your fellow ladies in Africa. Because what they go through is not what you can stand. Uh, a, a lady in, a, in Africa was despised. Is like a, a person they were not counting at all because she was not part of the development of the family. She's not part of the development of the community. So wherever people sit, like in Bukaya where you, you support a church, all, all the men there, they go through circumcision. So ladies don't do that. So ladies don't sit among men. They are not part of it. But Truvine says well, the biggest percentage of population in Africa, in Uganda, let me begin with Uganda, they are ladies. And it is like a sleeping giant. We are ignoring the big population to reach others, to do everything. So Truvine has a program we call Empowering Women. But don't say we don't empower, we have even the program of Empowering Men. To make sure that people are able to live a life and be sustainable. So women, we train them in tailoring, in knitting, in all what they can need. And we also take them to class to learn English and to learn other things. So that they can be able to compete in the present world. So we pray that God may help us to continue doing all these things. I know our time is running, but in all what we are doing, in everything we are doing, in Truvine, we have several challenges. We need your prayers. We need your visitation. There is a gap. There is a vacuum. If you reach there and just say, praise God to an African, you will make him smile. And that smile will keep him to go on. So sometimes I say, love doesn't know distance. Jesus loved us. He left the glory in heaven and came down. If you love us, please come. Come and encourage us. Come and support us. Come and stand with us. We have several challenges. I shared them. Pastor knows them. And please, where you feel you can stand with us, you are most welcome. We love it. We shall always appreciate. And whatever you say, that you want it to go, whether in education, whether in an orphan, whether in medical, whether in empowerment, spiritual work, we shall make sure we do the exact what you have requested us to do. We are just, a, we are just a, a, something like a, somebody in the between. <laughs> we shall serve you. We shall receive and make sure the people you want to serve, they receive the services. We are so grateful. Thank you so much. God bless you. 
Why don't you just enumerate some of the, the sp- yeah. specific some, needs that you some have? Some of the specific needs we have, we have challenges on drugs. Because we have this hospital, not everybody can afford the payment of drugs. So we feel like if there's any way we shall reach the poor, if there's somebody who can help us to buy drugs, you may help us once, you may commit yourself to be helping every month, but we shall make sure there are drugs so that the poor person who cannot even afford life for himself can come for treatment. And we have what we call outreach. We have two items we are going to begin doing, and we are beginning, already we have done part of it, is about dewarming the children. Most of our children, most of them, die before they reach the age of five. In some places I have told them, do you know why we produce seven? Some of you don't know. We have what we call family planning. Family planning here is like, you have to have few children. But family planning in Africa is like, you must plan that some of them may die. If they die, what do you remain with? If you had one and he dies, what next? Here you very well know I produce my one child, he will grow. But in Africa, you are not sure mm. whether your child will grow or he will die. So you produce as many as you can. Good enough, mine died one. I remained with seven. So I, in some families, they die all. In some families, they die too. In some families... You, you can't know what is going to happen because of the environment, because of the type of food we eat. We think about reaching children and treat, giving them free malaria treatment. In every village, in Bukaya and all other villages, we want to be reaching there to give some treatment free. Uh, we have the problem of um, insufficient financial and resources for education program. You find that the local person cannot afford it because we have to pay the teachers, we have to pay for electricity, we have to pay for uh, any other requirements the children need, and sometimes, apart from the orphans who are being sponsored, there are local children in the area. The local people ask me, you have brought a very good school in the area, but how are we benefiting in it? How are we benefiting in the hospital with the local people, apart from the children who are being sponsored? So I say, please, if we had a way how to pay the teachers, if we had a way how to buy books, if we had a way how to build the classrooms, I would wish this everybody around our school would, have, would afford education and quality education. We have no support to the women empowerment. We need these ladies to do business, small groups, business. We need to see them trained, but we can't also have paid the trainers, so anything among the women, please, women, think about your fellow women. Inadequate staff welfare, that one I always bypasses so much because but without my, I have eight staffs on the, on, on, on my, in the project, eight of them, and I have to pay their salaries. Some of them already, like the medical, they have support. But in other programs, and often also they have support of their salary. But in other programs, I have to look for salary for all of them to make sure they can do a good job. Lack of enough financial support for outreach program. Friends, I love reaching out. Mm-hmm. I love to see people coming to Jesus Christ. And it's one of the most costly jobs I'm doing. It's more than all what I have counted. 
Because I know when people come to Jesus, there's hope, there's life, there's everything. They can change some of the things they need me to change for them. So we do outreach, and uh, of recent we made, we had the leadership conference, and it was 1,000 leaders who, were, who came, and we were support, we made a crusade. We, were, we stayed with the people for one, for one week, and it costed us, what is 30 million? In dollars. I don't know what the A dollar is about 2,000. Probably, yeah. Uh-huh. It's around, it costed about 1,500 US. So the work is becoming so heavy. And what are, some of the things which cause the work to be heavy is the sound system. Because the church system, we cannot take it for outreach. So we do hire, and sometimes we carry those systems we have bought in the villages, which sometimes is not quite okay. But my brothers and sisters, uh, True Vine is a wide place where each one of you can fit. Each one of you can participate. Pastor asked me in the first service that what, what can these people do if they felt like they wanted to support you? Many times everywhere I have gone, people have asked me that question. But I, I trust many people we work with. One of them is Hope for Kids International. This organization has been so good to us, has been so faithful to us. It has done many things even before we ask them. What about your pastor? Who has been so faithful? Who has done all without us? I feel if you could write a check through your pastor, through your church, because I hear here there's a problem people need, uh, they call it tax exemption. Yes. Uh-huh. We they can provide feel, that. Yeah. Yeah, we can the, do that. The church can provide that, <laughs> and what the church will do, will write a check. It can write a check to hope for kids. It can write a check in my name, because I have an American account, whereby the check can go, but I don't want you to lose the taxi, what? Exemption. Exemption. <laughs> That's why I say, please, you can write to your church a check, and that church, the church will write to us. I, I trust them, and I believe they will do that. Don't hesitate to do that. Don't say, if we send to the church, maybe they will send it to India. No. <laughs> they, will s- <laughs> they will send it to us, and I will give him the details of my American account, but he has also, he can send it to Hope for Kids because Hope for Kids has been sending funds to us. Yeah. Whichever method you want, yeah. it works. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.